Welcome to the I Can't Sleep podcast, where I read random articles from across the web to bore you to sleep with my soothing voice. I'm your host, Benjamin Boster. Today's episode is from a Wikipedia article titled, Narrative. A narrative, story, or tale is an account of a series of related events or experiences, whether non-fictional, memoir, biography, news report, documentary, travelogue, etc., or fictional, fairy tale, fable, legend, thriller, novel, etc. Narratives can be presented through a sequence of written or spoken words, still or moving images, or any combination of these. The word derives from the Latin verb narare, to tell, which is derived from the adjective narus, knowing or skilled. Along with argumentation, description, and exposition, narration broadly defined is one of four rhetorical modes of discourse. More narrowly defined, it is the fiction-writing mode in which the narrator communicates directly to the reader. Oral storytelling is the earliest method for sharing narratives. During most people's childhoods, narratives are used to guide them on proper behavior, cultural history, formation of a communal identity and values as especially studied in anthropology today among traditional indigenous peoples. Narrative is found in all forms of human creativity, art, and entertainment, including speech, literature, theater, music and song, comics, journalism, film, television and video, video games, radio, gameplay, unstructured recreation, and performance in general, as well as some painting, sculpture, drawing, photography, and other visual arts, as long as a sequence of events is presented. Several art movements, such as modern art, refuse the narrative in favor of the abstract and conceptual. Narrative can be organized into a number of thematic or formal categories. Nonfiction, such as definitely including creative nonfiction, biography, journalism, transcript, poetry, and historiography. Fictionalization of historical events, such as anecdote, myth, legend, and historical fiction. And fiction proper, such as literature and prose, and sometimes poetry, such as short stories, novels and narrative poems and songs and imaginary narratives as portrayed in other textual forms, games or live or recorded performances. Narratives may also be nested within other narratives, such as narratives told by an unreliable narrator, a character typically found in the genre of noir fiction. An important part of narration is the narrative mode. The set of methods used to communicate the narrative through a process narration. Overview A narrative is a telling of some true or fictitious event 
or connected sequence of events recounted by a narrator to a narratee, although there may be more than one of each. A personal narrative is a prose narrative relating personal experience. Narratives are to be distinguished from descriptions of qualities, states, or situations, and also from dramatic enactments of events, although a dramatic work may also include narrative speeches. A narrative consists of a set of events, a story, recounted in a process of narration or discourse, in which the events are selected and arranged in a particular order, the plot, which also means story synopsis. A category of narratives includes both the shortest accounts of events, for example, the cat sat on the mat, or a brief news item, and the longest historical or biographical works, diaries, travelogues, and so forth, as well as novels, ballads, epics, short stories, and other fictional forms. In the study of fiction, it is usual to divide novels and shorter stories into first-person narratives and third-person narratives. As an adjective, narrative means characterized by or relating to storytelling. Thus, narrative technique is the method of telling stories, and narrative poetry is the class of poems, including ballads, epics, and verse romances, that tell stories as distinct from dramatic and lyric poetry. Some theorists of narratology have attempted to isolate the quality or set of properties that distinguishes narrative from non-narrative writings. This is called narrativity. History In India, archaeological evidence of the presence of stories is found at the Indus Valley Civilization Site, Lothal. On one large vessel, the artist depicts birds with fish in their beaks resting in a tree, while a fox-like animal stands below. This scene bears resemblance to the story of the fox and the crow in the Panchatantra. On a miniature jar, the story of the thirsty crow and deer is depicted, of how the deer could not drink from the narrow mouth of the jar, while the crow succeeded by dropping stones into the jar. The features of the animals are clear and graceful. Human Nature Owen Flanagan of Duke University, a leading consciousness researcher, writes, Evidence strongly suggests that humans in all cultures come to cast their own identity in some sort of narrative form. We are inveterate storytellers. Stories are an important aspect of culture. Many works of art and most works of literature tell stories. Indeed, most of the humanities involve stories. Stories are of ancient origin, existing in ancient Egyptian ancient Greek, Chinese, and Indian cultures, and their myths. Stories are also a ubiquitous component of human communication used as parables and examples to illustrate points. Storytelling was probably one of the earliest forms of entertainment. 
as noted by Owen Flanagan, narrative may also refer to psychological processes in self-identity, memory, and meaning-making. Semiotics begins with the individual building blocks of meaning called signs. Semantics is the way in which signs are combined into codes to transmit messages. This is part of a general communication system using both verbal and nonverbal elements and creating a discourse with different modalities and forms. In On Realism in Art, Roman Jacobson attests that literature exists as a separate entity. He and many other semioticians prefer to view that all texts, whether spoken or written, are the same, except that some authors encode their texts with distinctive literary qualities that distinguish them from other forms of discourse. Nevertheless, there is a clear trend to address literary narrative forms as separable from other forms. This is first seen in Russian formalism through Viktor Shlovsky's analysis of the relationship between composition and style, and in the work of Vladimir Prop, who analyzed the plots used in traditional folktales and identified 31 distinct functional components. This trend, or these trends, continued in the work of the Prague School and of French scholars such as Claude Lévi-Strauss and Roland Barthes. It leads to a structural analysis of narrative and an increasingly influential body of modern work that raises important theoretical questions. What is text? What is its role, culture? How is it manifested as art? cinema, theater, or literature? Why is narrative divided into different genres such as poetry, short stories, and novels? Literary Theory In literary theoretic approach, narrative is being narrowly defined as fiction writing mode, in which the narrator is communicating directly to the reader. Until the late 19th century, Literary criticism as an academic exercise dealt solely with poetry, including epic poems like the Iliad and Paradise Lost, and poetic drama like Shakespeare. Most poems did not have a narrator distinct from the author. But novels, lending a number of voices to several characters in addition to narrators, created a possibility of narrator's views differing significantly from the author's views. With the rise of the novel in the 18th century, the concept of the narrator as opposed to author made the question of narrator a prominent one for literary theory. It has been proposed that perspective and interpretive knowledge are the essential characteristics, while focalization and structure are lateral characteristics of the narrator. The role of literary theory in narrative has been disputed, with some interpretations like Todorov's narrative model that views all narratives in a cyclical manner, and that each narrative is characterized by a three-part structure that allows the narrative to progress, the beginning stage being an establishment of equilibrium, a state of non-conflict, 
followed by a disruption to this state caused by an external event. And lastly, a restoratum or a return to equilibrium, a conclusion that brings the narrative back to a similar space before the events of the narrative unfolded. Other critiques of literary theory in narrative challenge the very role of literariness in narrative, as well as the role of narrative in literature. Meaning, narratives and their associated aesthetics, emotions, and values have the ability to operate without the presence of literature and vice versa. According to Didier Costa, the structural model used by Todorov and others is unfairly biased towards a Western interpretation of narrative, and that a more comprehensive and transformative model must be created in order to properly analyze the narrative discourse in literature. Framing also plays a pivotal role in narrative structure. An analysis of the historical and cultural context present during the development of a narrative is needed in order to more accurately represent the role of narratology in societies that relied heavily on oral narratives. Types of Narrators and Their Modes A writer's choice in the narrator is crucial for the way a work of fiction is perceived by the reader. There is a distinction between first-person and third-person narrative, which Gerard Jeannet refers to as intradigetic and extradigetic narrative, respectively. Intradigetic narrators are of two types. A homodigetic narrator participates as a character in the story. Such a narrator cannot know more about other characters than what their actions reveal. A heterodegetic narrator, in contrast, describes the experiences of the characters that appear in the story in which he or she does not participate. Most narrators present their story from one of the following perspectives called narrative modes, first-person or third-person limited or omniscient. Generally, a first-person narrator brings greater focus on the feelings, opinions, and perceptions of a particular character in a story, and on how the character views the world and the views of other characters. If the writer's intention is to get inside the world of a character, then it is a good choice, although a third-person limited narrator is an alternative that does not require the writer to reveal all that a first-person character would know. By contrast, a third-person omniscient narrator gives a panoramic view of the world of the story, looking into many characters and into the broader background of a story. A third-person omniscient narrator can be an animal or an object, or it can be a more abstract instance that does not refer to itself. For stories in which the context and the views of many characters are important, a third-person narrator is a better choice. However, a third-person narrator does not need to be an omnipresent guide, but instead may merely be the protagonist referring to himself in the third person, also known as third-person limited narrator. Multiple narrators A writer may choose to let several narrators tell the story from different points of view, 
then it is up to the reader to decide which narrator seems most reliable for each part of the story. It may refer to the style of the writer in which he or she expresses the paragraph written. William Faulkner's As I Lay Dying is a prime example of the use of multiple narrators. Faulkner employs stream of consciousness to narrate the story from various perspectives. In indigenous American communities, Narratives and storytelling are often told by a number of elders in the community. In this way, the stories are never static because they are shaped by the relationship between narrator and audience. Thus, each individual story may have countless variations. Narrators often incorporate minor changes in the story in order to tailor the story to different audiences. The use of multiple narratives in a story is not simply a stylistic choice, but rather an interpretive one that offers insight into the development of a larger social identity and the impact that has on the overarching narrative, as explained by Lee Herring. Herring analyzes the use of framing in oral narratives and how the usage of multiple perspectives provides the audience with a greater historical and cultural background of the narrative. She also argues that narratives, particularly myths and folktales, that implement multiple narrators deserves to be categorized as its own narrative genre, rather than simply a narrative device that is used solely to explain phenomena from different points of view. Herring provides an example from the Arabic folktales of A Thousand and One Nights to illustrate how framing was used to loosely connect each story to the next, where each story was enclosed within the larger narrative. Additionally, Herring draws comparisons between Thousand and One Nights and the oral storytelling observed in parts of rural Ireland, islands of the southwest Indian Ocean, and African cultures such as Madagascar. I'll tell you what I'll do, said the smith. I'll fix your sword for tomorrow, if you tell me a story while I'm doing it. The speaker was an Irish storyteller in 1935, framing one story in another. The moment recalls the thousand and one nights where the story of the envier and the envied is enclosed in the larger story told by the second calendar, and many stories are enclosed in others. Aesthetics Approach Narrative is a highly aesthetic art. Thoughtfully composed stories have a number of aesthetic elements. Such elements include the idea of narrative structure with identifiable beginnings middles, and ends, or exposition, development, climax, denouement, with coherent plotlines. A strong focus on temporality, including retention of the past, attention to present action, and protention future anticipation. A substantial focus on character and characterization, arguably the most important single component of the novel. 
different voices interacting, the sound of the human voice or many voices speaking in a variety of accents, rhythms, and registers, a narrator or narrator-like voice which addresses and interacts with reading audiences, communicates with a Wayne Booth-esque rhetorical thrust, a dialectic process of interpretation which is, at times, beneath the surface, forming a plot narrative, and at other times much more visible, arguing for and against various positions, relies substantially on the use of literary tropes, is often intertextual with other literatures, and commonly demonstrates an effort toward Bildungsroman, a description of identity development with an effort to evince becoming in character and community, is often intertextual with other literatures. Psychological Approach Within philosophy of mind, the social sciences and various clinical fields, including medicine, narrative can refer to aspects of human psychology. A personal narrative process is involved in a person's sense of personal or cultural identity and in the creation and construction of memories. It is thought by some to be the fundamental nature of the self. The breakdown of a coherent or positive narrative has been implicated in the development of psychosis and mental disorder, and its repair said to play an important role in journeys of recovery. Narrative therapy is a school of family psychotherapy. Illness narratives are a way for a person affected by an illness to make sense of his or her experiences. They typically follow one of several set patterns, restitution, chaos, or quest narratives. In the restitution narrative, the person sees the illness as a temporary detour. The primary goal is to return permanently to normal life and normal health. These may also be called cure narratives. In the chaos narrative, the person sees the illness as a permanent state that will inexorably get worse, with no redeeming virtues. This is typical of diseases like Alzheimer's disease. The patient gets worse and worse, and there is no hope of returning to normal life. The third major type, the quest narrative, positions the illness experience as an opportunity to transform oneself into a better person through overcoming adversity and relearning what is most important in life. The physical outcome of the illness is less important than the spiritual and psychological transformation. This is typical of the triumphant view of cancer survivorship in the breast cancer culture. Personality traits, more specifically the Big Five personality traits, appear to be associated with the type of language or patterns of word use found in an individual's self-narrative. In other words, language use in self-narratives accurately reflects human personality. The linguistic correlates of each Big Five trait are as follows. Extraversion positively correlated with words referring to humans, social processes, and family. Agreeableness, 
positively correlated with family, inclusiveness, and certainty, negatively correlated with anger and body, that is, few negative comments about health and body. Conscientiousness, positively correlated with achievement and work, negatively related to body, death, anger, and exclusiveness. Neuroticism, positively correlated with sadness, negative emotion, body, anger, home, and anxiety, negatively correlated with work. Openness, positively correlated with perceptual processes, hearing, and exclusiveness. Social Science Approaches Human beings often claim to understand events when they manage to formulate a coherent story or narrative explaining how they believe the event was generated. Narratives thus lie at foundations of our cognitive procedures and also provide an explanatory framework for the social sciences, particularly when it is difficult to assemble enough cases to permit statistical analysis. Narrative is often used in case study research in the social sciences. Here it has been found that the dense, contextual, and interpenetrating nature of social forces uncovered by detailed narratives is often more interesting and useful for both social theory and social policy than other forms of social inquiry. Sociologists Yebird F. Gabriel and James A. Holstein have contributed to the formation of a constructionist approach to narrative and sociology. From their book, The Self We Live By, Narrative Identity in a Postmodern World, to more recent texts such as Analyzing Narrative Reality and Varieties of Narrative Analysis, they have developed an analytic framework for researching stories and storytelling that is centered on the interplay of institutional discourses, big stories, on the one hand, and everyday accounts, little stories, on the other. The goal is the sociological understanding of formal and lived texts of experience, featuring the production, practices, and communication of accounts. Inquiry Approach In order to avoid hardened stories, or narratives that become context-free, portable and ready to be used anywhere and anytime for illustrative purposes, and are being used as conceptual metaphors as defined by linguist George Lakoff, an approach called narrative inquiry was proposed resting on the epistemological assumption that human beings make sense of random or complex multi-causal experience by the imposition of story structures. Human propensity to simplify data through a predilection of narratives over complex data sets typically leads to narrative fallacy. It is easier for the human mind to remember and make decisions on the basis of stories with meaning than to remember strings of data. 
This is one reason why narratives are so powerful and why many of the classics in the humanities and social sciences are written in the narrative format. But humans read meaning into data and compose stories even where this is unwarranted. In narrative inquiry, the way to avoid the narrative fallacy is no different from the way to avoid other error in scholarly research. That is, by applying the usual methodical checks for validity and reliability in how data are collected, analyzed, and presented. Several criteria for assessing the validity of narrative research was proposed, including the objective aspect, the emotional aspect, the social-moral aspect, and the clarity of the story. Mathematical Sociology Approach In mathematical sociology, the theory of comparative narratives was devised in order to describe and compare the structures expressed as and in a directed graph where multiple causal links incident into a node or conjoined of action-driven sequential events. Narratives so conceived comprise the following ingredients. A finite set of state descriptions of the world S, the components of which are weakly ordered in time. A finite set of actors, agents, individual or collective, P. A finite set of actions, A. A mapping of P onto A. The structure directed graph is generated by letting the nodes stand for the states and the directed edges represent how the states are changed by specified actions. The action skeleton can then be abstracted, comprising a further digraph where the actions are depicted as nodes and edges take the form action A co-determined in context of other actions action B. Narratives can be both abstracted and generalized by imposing an algebra upon their structures and thence defining homomorphism between the algebras. The insertion of action-driven causal links in a narrative can be achieved using the method of Bayesian narratives. Bayesian narratives Developed by Peter Abel, the theory of Bayesian narratives conceives a narrative as a directed graph comprising multiple causal links, social interactions, of the general form. Action A causes action B in a specified context. In the absence of sufficient comparative cases to enable statistical treatment of the causal links, Items of evidence and support and against a particular causal link are assembled and used to compute the Bayesian likelihood ratio of the link. Subjective causal statements of the form I, she, did B because of A and subjective counterfactuals if it had not been for A, I, she would not have done B are notable items of evidence. In music, 
Linearity is one of several narrative qualities that can be found in a musical composition. As noted by American musicologist Edward Cohn, narrative terms are also present in the analytical language about music. The different components of a fugue, subject, answer, exposition, discussion, and summary can be cited as an example. However, there are several views on the concept of narrative in music and the role it plays. One theory is that of Theodore Adorno, who has suggested that music recites itself, is its own context, narrates without narrative. Another is that of Carolyn Abbott, who has suggested that certain gestures experienced in music constitute a narrating voice. Still others argued that narrative is a semiotic experience that can enrich musical analysis. The French musicologist Jean-Jacques Natiz contends that the narrative, strictly speaking, is not in the music, but in the plot imagined and constructed by the listeners. He argues that discussing music in terms of narrativity is simply metaphorical, and that the imagined plot may be influenced by the work's title or other programmatic information provided by the composer. However, Abbott has revealed numerous examples of musical devices that function as narrative voices by limiting music's ability to narrate to rare moments that can be identified by their bizarre and disruptive effect. Various theorists share this view of narrative appearing in disruptive rather than normative moments in music. The final word is yet to be said regarding narratives in music, as there is still much to be determined. In film. Unlike most forms of narratives that are inherently language-based, whether that be narratives presented in literature or orally, film narratives face additional challenges in creating a cohesive narrative. Whereas the general assumption in literary theory is that a narrator must be present in order to develop a narrative, as Schmid proposes, the act of an author writing his or her words in text is what communicates to the audience, in this case readers, the narrative of the text, and the author represents an act of narrative communication between the textual narrator and the narratee. This is in line with Fludernick's perspective on what's called cognitive narratology, which states that a literary text has the ability to manifest itself into an imagined representational illusion that the reader will create for themselves and can vary greatly from reader to reader. In other words, the scenarios of a literary text, referring to settings, frames, schemes, etc., are going to be represented differently for each individual reader based on a multiplicity of factors, including the reader's own personal life experiences that allow them to comprehend the literary text in a distinct manner from anyone else. 
Film narrative does not have the luxury of having a textual narrator that guides its audience towards a formative narrative, nor does it have the ability to allow its audience to visually manifest the contents of its narrative in a unique fashion like literature does. Instead, film narratives utilize visual and auditory devices in substitution for a narrative subject. These devices include cinematography, editing, sound design, both diegetic and non-diegetic sound, as well as the arrangement and decisions on how and where the subjects are located on screen, known as mise-en-scene. These cinematic devices, among others, contribute to the unique blend of visual and auditory storytelling that culminates to what Jose Landa refers to as a visual narrative instance. And unlike narratives found in other performance arts such as plays and musicals, film narratives are not bound to a specific place and time and are not limited by scene transitions in plays which are restricted by set design and allotted time. In Mythology The nature or existence of a formative narrative in many of the world's myths, folktales, and legends has been a topic of debate for many modern scholars. But the most common consensus among academics is that throughout most cultures, traditional mythologies and folklore tales are constructed and retold with a specific narrative purpose that serves to offer a society an understandable explanation of natural phenomenon, oftentimes absent of a verifiable author. These explanatory tales manifest themselves in various forms and serve different societal functions, including life lessons individuals to learn from, for example, the ancient Greek tale of Icarus refusing to listen to his elders and flying too close to the sun, explain forces of nature or other natural phenomenon, for example, the flood myth that spans cultures all over the world, and lastly, to provide an understanding of our own human nature, as exemplified by the myth of Cupid and Psyche. Considering how mythologies have historically been transmitted and passed down through oral retellings, there is no qualitative or reliable method to precisely trace exactly where and when a tale originated. And since myths are rooted in a remote past and are viewed as a factual account of happenings within the culture it originated from, the worldview presented in many oral mythologies is from a cosmological perspective, one that is told from a voice that has no physical embodiment, and is passed down and modified from generation to generation. This cosmological worldview in myth is what provides all mythological narratives credence, and since they are easily communicated and modified through oral tradition amongst various cultures, they help solidify the cultural identity of a civilization and contribute to the notion of a collective human consciousness that continues to help shape our own understanding of the world.
Myth is often used in an overarching sense to describe a multitude of folklore genres. There is a significance in distinguishing the various forms of folklore in order to properly determine what narratives constitute as mythological, as esteemed anthropologist Sir James Fraser suggests. Fraser contends that there are three primary categories of mythology, now more broadly considered categories of folklore, myths, legends, and folktales, and that by definition each genre pulls its narrative from a different ontological source, and therefore have different implications within a civilization. Fraser states, If these definitions be accepted, we may say that myth has its source in reason, legend in memory, and folktale in imagination, and that the three riper products of the human mind which correspond to these, its crude creations, are science, history, and romance. Janet Bacon expanded upon Fraser's categorization in her 1921 publication, The Voyage of the Argonauts. 1. Myth According to Janet Bacon's 1921 publication, she states that myth has an explanatory intention. It explains some natural phenomenon whose causes are not obvious, or some ritual practice whose origin has been forgotten. Bacon views myths as narratives that serve a practical societal function of providing a satisfactory explanation for many of humanity's greatest questions. Questions that address topics such as astronomical events, historical circumstances, environmental phenomena, and a range of human experiences including love, anger, greed, and isolation. 2. Legend Bacon aptly describes as such, Legend, on the other hand, is true tradition founded on the fortunes of real people or on adventures at real places. Agamemnon, Lycurgus, Coriolanus, King Arthur, Saladin, are real people whose fame and the legends which spread it have become worldwide. Legends are mythical figures whose accomplishments and accolades live beyond their own mortality and transcend to the realm of myth by way of verbal communication through the ages. Like myth, they are rooted in the past, but unlike the sacred ephemeral space in which myths occur, legends are often individuals of human flesh that lived here on earth long ago and are believed as fact. In American folklore, the tale of Davy Crockett or, debatably, Paul Bunyan can be considered legends, as they were real people who lived in our world, but through the years of regional folktales have assumed a mythological quality. 3. Folktale Bacon classifies folktale as such. Folktale, however, calls for no belief being wholly the product of the imagination. In far distant ages, some inventive storyteller was pleased to pass an idle hour with stories told of many a feat. 
What Bacon's definition assumes is that folk tales do not possess the same underlying factualness that myths and legends tend to have. Folk tales still hold a considerable cultural value. They are simply not regarded as true within a civilization. Bacon says, like myths, folk tales are imagined and created by someone at some point, but differ in that folk tales' primary purpose is to entertain, and that, like legends, folk tales may possess some element of truth in their original conception but lack any form of credibility found in legends. Structure In the absence of a known author or original narrator, myth narratives are oftentimes referred to as prose narratives. Prose narratives tend to be relatively linear regarding the time period they occur in, and are traditionally marked by its natural flow of speech as opposed to the rhythmic structure found in various forms of literature, such as poetry and haiku. The structure of prose narratives allows it to be easily understood by many, as the narrative generally starts at the beginning of the story and ends when the protagonist has resolved the conflict. These kinds of narratives are generally accepted as true within society and are told from a place of great reverence and sacredness. Myths are believed to occur in a remote past, one that is before the creation or established of the civilization they derive from, and are intended to provide an account for things such as our origins, natural phenomenon, as well as our own human nature. Thematically, myths seek to provide information about ourselves, and many are viewed as among some of the oldest forms of prose narratives, which grants traditional myths their fascinating and life-defining characteristics that continue to be communicated today.